Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. I want you to put your hands together and welcome Pastor Stephen Flight. He's brought the word of the Lord. There you go, Stephen. Hello, hello. Thank you. That's my father-in-law and our pastor, Pastor Lorne Tebbett. Best father-in-law I have. Come on, that was better than what you gave me. So good to be online and having the doors unlocked today. And it's just amazing who shows up at church. And it's great, but officially we are launching again next week. We welcome everybody back um, and also do more comfortable staying online, we're going to continue to provide great services because the presence of God can't be limited to our mind and our eyes and what we see, but he has something new to do, and it's an awesome thing. But I just did want to thank Pastor Lorne and Pastor Kelly again for allowing me to preach today when churches were, um, it was decided just a few days ago that we could meet again. I I went to Pastor Lorne and said, do you want to speak? And, And I know he's excited and wants to, but he believes and empowers people so well that he said, no, you do this one, you're going for it. So I just really appreciate a leader who empowers other people and believes in other people. And it's awesome. And so we've been talking about stewardship as a church, stewardship. And we've really particularly been talking about our finances. Why would a church go and do a crazy thing like that? You're just asking for trouble to talk about finances. But um, you know why I believe it is, and, and I believe we should, and I believe we do, is because finances are one of the biggest um, things that keep people in captivity in our day and age. Statistics show us that um, the two biggest stresses, well, the three biggest stresses um, in people's lives, and over 52% of Canadians feel stressed all the time, it's reported, is uh, relationships, finances, and health. And so relationships and finances are the two big ones. But the ironic or the funny or the sad thing about that is that the reason those relationships um, are stressful is often because of the finances. Finances are a huge part of what keeps us in captivity. And we know that the Word of God and the gospel sets us free. And so if we need to be free in an area, we need to bring the gospel, we need to bring the word of God into that area, and that's why we talk about finances. And I'm pumped that we're a church that isn't afraid, and you're people who aren't afraid of embracing this topic. Um, Jesus, out of his 39 parables, actually uh, 11 of them, he talks about money, finances. Now, don't let me mislead you with that. If we've learned anything in, in this time, statistics can be misleading just as they are. He's not often um, directly, the point of the parable isn't about the finances, but he's using them, even back then, 2,000 years ago, as a reference point because he knows how much it affects the life of the people he's speaking to, and it affects our lives today as well. If Jesus isn't afraid to talk about money, we're not afraid to talk about money either. Amen? So it's awesome. So uh, we've had a great series. You should jump back on the YouTube and uh, we had Pastor Lawn speaking and, and, and Peter and Mother's Day. We had a, a great panel and uh, you should definitely check that. But today I want to talk about four phases of stewardship that I believe set us up for a great life. My message today is stewarding the cup we are given. I have a cup here. Don't know if you can see that on camera. 
read this one, this camera here. Now, I mean, at, at risk of seeming a bit vain, this one says, Stephen, the man, the myth, the legend. Um, I love cups. I didn't get this one for myself. I haven't done a, a Michael Scott from The Office. You know, uh, you know I, I'm the world's best boss, and the, the cup kind of says it. I found that at Spencer's Gift. You know, I didn't buy this cup for myself. This was a gift given to me. But, um, but you know, you've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. You've got to encourage yourself when you're drinking coffee. That's why I carry this cup. But I'm talking about stewarding the cup we are given. And uh, anyone who has kids know that our, our kids do quirky little things. And so one of the things Huan, my three-year-old, does is he wants to have a latte with mom and dad in the morning. Now, we don't give him full disclosure. We don't give him coffee at his age, but we steam some milk, and he takes his cup, and he's developed this funny little walk he does when he's holding his cup, because he's trying to be so careful. He kind of hunches over, he's like, Gollum, like he's like Gollum from Lord of the Rings, my precious cup, and he walks across the room, and he's being so careful when he's holding his cup. He doesn't want to spill the precious contents of latte, aka steamed milk, over the floor. And I know it's a silly analogy, but God's actually given us a cup to carry, a cup to steward, many cups to steward. And that's what we're talking about today. Are we stewarding the cup we've been given? Are we stewarding in a godly way or a worldly way? And there's four phases, like I said, that I have noticed. Let me just put the man, the myth, the legend right there. So if you guys aren't blowing up the chat online or you're not encouraging me here, I can look down there for encouragement. Um, <laughs> But I want to talk about these four phases of stewardship in our life and, yes, our, our finances as we find it in creation. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. So the first phase, I believe in stewarding well, therefore living well and um, harnessing and, and caring for what God's given us. Phase one is knowing where it all comes from. Right there in Genesis 1, it tells us that in the beginning... Um, there was nothing, and God created something. I love the way Psalm 24 says it. It says, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. Everything we have, everything we own, everything we do is God's. Ultimately, he owns it. Now, I hear the objections already. I feel them coming through the camera and in the place, and we've had these thoughts. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I built my business. I earned my degree. I pursued my spouse. For some of us, it took a lot of effort and work. I developed that six-pack abs, or if you're anything like me, during COVID, it's more like a keg or a carton that's developed. I, I did the work, and... You've worked hard, and I've worked hard. We work hard. That's an amazing thing. I believe God is proud of people who work hard. But it needs to be in the context of knowing our place in creation. We're borrowing from God, not even borrowing. We've been given from God responsibility. We've been given our cup, and then he says, you go for it. But we need to keep the right order. Everything that we do, every dollar we make is actually God's. We're going to talk about the working hard and all those things in a moment. But I think the first phase to great stewardship, the first thing we need to know is that it is all God's to begin with. Hebrews 3, 4 says, For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. 
So if you picture that, we, we drive out to church today, maybe you saw some houses getting built along the way, um, and you attempted to take some of that lumber off site because it's very valuable at the moment, timber in Calgary, um, but you saw that, and somebody's building that. It takes a person actually picking up a hammer, picking up a drill, and doing the work for every house is built by someone, but ultimately, anything we do, anything we see, anything great on this planet that gets built can only be done because God has everything first. He is the builder of everything. Acts 4 verse 24, I love the prayer of the early church. They say, very early on, sovereign God, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. It's all God's. God has rightful ownership over our life, the world, and everything in it. I've had these conversations before, and maybe you have, and I've had these thoughts before when I've been trying to work this out in stewardship. Well, what's my role in it? Didn't, didn't I build this business? Didn't I do this thing? Didn't I take the risk? Um, I've had a conversation recently with someone who's questioning their faith, and, and it went along the lines of, God's never helped me in my business. He's never done anything. I did the work. I did the early mornings. I got up. And, and when we're starting to think those thoughts, and we all can have these thoughts, I think it's important to take a step back and go, yeah, 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 wait a minute. Who gave me the breath in my lungs? Who gave me the courage to step out and do something? Who put me in a place and a time with that opportunity to have that? Yeah, yeah, maybe you built your business, but behind that, God built your life. God created you and I. He set in motion something where he empowers us to steward life great. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. So phase one is acknowledging and knowing and settling that God owns it all. Phase two of stewardship, though, is to cultivate the garden. Cultivate the garden or caring for the cup you've been given. Now, today I'm just giving four phases, and there's many more in-depth phases we could have, but for the sake of time... Um, I just include in this phase cultivating the garden, sowing seeds. We know the principle in the Bible, sowing and reaping. And in our finances, if we want to reap good, then we need to sow good seeds into good soil to bear good fruit. Pretty, pretty simple stuff. But I'm trying to keep this broad for us. Phase two is to cultivate the, cultivate the garden. So there, God's created everything. He set it in motion. And in Genesis uh, 28, it says, just after he's created man and woman in his image, it says, God blessed them. God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it and have dominion, which means have authority of care over it. So God creates and then he gives us responsibility over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, every living thing. And then in Genesis 2.15, um, it's jumped back to kind of this pre-Adam uh, and Eve being created. It says, then the Lord took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. So God creates, and Eden, the Garden of Eden, pre-Genesis chapter 3, is the perfect picture of union between God and man. Corruption hasn't entered the world yet. Um, this is the perfect picture, and the fascinating thing here is, in the perfect picture, before brokenness, before the fall, before any of that happened, man is actually created to cultivate the garden. He's given responsibility. So, so many of us, I think, think that um, perfection would be not having to work, not having to put in effort, but actually we're designed to cultivate the garden. 
We're actually designed to steward and care for what we've been placed in. Even in the moments of perfection with God, we're meant to steward and steward well. That's why this is so important. So God sets up the garden, and we're made to cultivate it and keep it, to steward it well, to look after the cup. So my question today is, is what does your garden look like? What does your cup look like you've been carrying? We've been doing um, studying. And when I say we, really, Brittany did last weekend when I was away fishing. She set up the garden and did it all. My wife's a, a, a cultivator and a good steward. She just couldn't wait for me. But one thing I know about gardening is a part of cultivating is managing and maintaining it, taking great care in cutting the right pieces out, and, but not cutting the, the middle of the tomato plant and cultivating it so that it can grow and blossom. That's cultivating. And that's stewardship that we can care for and manage well, that the garden can grow, that the cup can get where it's meant to be. So where have you found yourself in life in this moment with potential to cultivate and steward in a greater way? We should every day be looking at what am I stewarding today? What cup has God got for me to carry? Um, have you ever had one of those days at work where you just went home and you just put your feet up and you were tired, but you were energized. You, you, it was a hard day, but you were refreshed because you found the zone of stewarding that day well. Do you know the kind of day I mean? You, you work hard and you're tired and you put your feet up and you go, ah, that was a good day. I believe that's a, a picture and a zone that we can find in our finances that we can steward well, where at the end of the day, we steward it well, we haven't overworked, we haven't underworked, but we found the right zone of stewardship where we can go, oh, that was a good day. We did well. We were in the zone. And I believe if we apply the Word of God, if we don't let the world influence what it is to steward and care for our finances, we can actually end the day, end the week, end the month, and go, ah, oh, that was a good day. I believe that's biblical stewardship. Now, this doesn't always mean um, being rich and having all this money and, and never being in need. I love um, the Apostle Paul who who uh, is amazing. In Philippians 4, though, he says this thing, and, and I think this should be the cry of our heart. I believe it's the, the, um, the statement that a biblical steward can pray. It says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I think stewardship's greater than just having things. It's finding a contentment in, in, in stewarding well in a godly way. Paul says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty. Who likes plenty? Yeah, I think we all like plenty. Hunger. Oh, not so much. Abundance and need. And I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. When was the last time in our finances, in our assets and the things that we have that we could honestly say those words that Paul just said. I believe we can say those every day if we step into biblical stewardship. Whether I have lots or not much at all isn't the point because I'm content in the cup that God has given me that through Christ, he can be my strength. He can be my provider. He can be my source. And as I carry that cup across the room, across the place, into my week, as I cultivate my garden, I can rest not on what's going on around me, but in the fact that I know I'm cultivating and stewarding in the way God would have me do it. 
That's biblical stewardship. So phase two is cultivating the garden. I think, and I know I have a great tendency in stewardship and what I'm caring for and what uh, God would have for me to do is often we look at what the other person has and we want to steward that. Right? Am I right? Anyone with me? Or we think we can do a better job stewarding um, someone else's role, someone else's money. Um, jump on Facebook. You know what I'm talking about. The guy who hasn't made his bed can apparently run the government. The guy who hasn't done the dishes knows how to spend the education money. But we all do this though, right? We, we look at what other people are stewarding and how they're stewarding. I'm guilty. You've been on my Facebook. You've seen my opinions sometimes. Uh, I'm guilty of this. But I believe God's calling us in our garden to get there and go, what do we have to steward? What do we have to do? Well, no, 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 what, not what the, I gave them, not what I gave that person, not what I gave you in your past. Right now, what's in your hand? And actually, that's what he says to Moses there. Moses is called by God um, and talking to God, and, and God says, you're going to do these things, you're going to set the slaves free. And he says, but, but I don't have it, and they have this. And God says, no, 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 Moses, what's in your hand? What have you got? Oh, a staff? Well, that's what we're going to use. I believe today in stewardship, God's asking us, he's asking me, he's asking you, what's in your hand? Steward that, and then greater responsibility will come to you. What are you doing with your talent, your money, your time, your relationships? Not the other guys, because we all think we can do better than the other guy. Matthew 25, which we've heard some great teaching on. That's the parable of the talents, and you should go back again and listen to some of these messages. Um, Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, five uh, talents, and he invests that, does a great job, gets five more, two, but the guy with one buries it, doesn't do anything, and the master is not happy with him. The point of this is not the guy with five talents who made five more is greater than everybody else. It's not that the guy with two is greater. It's actually, what did you do with what you had? What did you do with what I gave you? I know we all want a million dollars and we all think we could change the world and have great plans, but I believe God's just saying, what about the $10 in your pocket? What are you doing with that? Don't worry, don't wait till the million dollars. What's in your hand right now? I know you want that opportunity and you want to live in that place far away where that's where everything will succeed, but what about now? Are you stewarding where I've placed you, the community I have you in, the relationships I have you in, and the finances? Hey, don't worry about that. What have you got? Because he wants to expand it. So phase one, God creates, he's the originator, he has ownership. Phase two is that we're um, placed in the garden to cultivate it and to work it, and we've been given a garden, given a cup to carry of more than just latte, more than just steamed milk, but we've been given finances, talents, time, and these things. And then phase three of stewardship is honoring God from the areas of increase. Honoring God. Genesis 4, so this is just after the, the garden, and we start to see the falls taking place. They're sent out, and it says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. In Proverbs 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. Malachi 3 verse 10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and therefore put me to the test, says the Lord. I will open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing 
Exodus 23, 19, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Um, the concept of honoring God first with our finances and with our lives and in stewardship um, is all throughout the Bible. I could just spend the entire sermon reading out scriptures about bringing our first fruits to the Lord. Um, you know, and this means all areas of our life. This isn't just finances. Um, are we honoring the Lord first with what we have? That then it will go well for us. And uh, I know we can get uncomfortable talking about finances, and I'm thankful for a church that isn't, like I said. But I know when I first got saved as a teenager, I didn't have um, any really grounding in the Word of God. Like I knew some things. But someone gave me a Bible. Someone said I should read it. So I started to read it. I'd paddle my surfboard out. Uh, I lived in Tasmania and um, because I was, I was scared of people seeing me with my Word uh, Bible opened and um, my, you know, I, I got saved in a family that went a church going family or anything. So I'd paddle it out. My old Bible has all these watermarks on, the, on them because I'd sit it on the board and I'd just read the Bible out in the ocean. Um, I'm not trying to make anyone jealous, but I kind of am a little bit. Um, and, um, but I started reading it back and forth and very early on, without any pre doctrine or pre theology or anything in me, it was very clear to me in the Word of God that God wasn't afraid of speaking about finances and calling us to honor Him with it. It's, we overthink this, we overdo it, and I know there's different definitions, different covenants. Get, let's get rid of all that and just ask this question Does God want us to honor Him with our finances? It's as simple as that. And I believe the Bible very clearly shows that I've been a regular tither and giver in the context of a local church right from day one as to the best I can. And Brittany and I in our marriage have done that. And I know it has helped us not just in our finances, in our marriage, in our trust with God, in our passion for the house of God, in our love for you guys and each other and the community, in how we worship when we sing. Tithing is more than just money. Honoring God with our first fruits of our finances is a gateway into greater levels of worship and intimacy with God. It's not about law. It's not about legalism. It's about honoring our God out of a place of we get to, not we got to. Out of being loved, not to get loved. That's what tithing is. And we need to redeem that and bring the back in to its right, right context of being a core value of stewardship. Not something to run away from, but something to embrace because we know it opens up the floodgates of so much more into our life. So phase three is honoring God first with our, with our fruit, with our cup, with our garden, whatever you want to say. I didn't actually have points. I'm making them up as I go along today. <laughs> I, I had four phases. I didn't really articulate them, I realized. Um, so am I honoring the question we can ask today in this moment and, and beyond is, am I honoring God with all that I have? With the my time, this precious time, and many people in this last 12 months have realized how precious time is. Maybe um, we've had something taken from us or a loved one or anything like that. And, and I know uh, what I feel to pray for in, at the end of this message after the next phase is for those uh, online today and for those who are snuck in the back door of church is, um, is those who have felt that the enemy's stolen something from you. And this has been in my, my heart for a couple months because I believe God is going to restore that, running over. But the condition might be that we step into greater levels of stewardship in this season. So we're going to pray into that and break any strongholds over that. Um, so 
and we honoring God with our, with our finances. Phase three. Phase four of stewardship, and this takes place in this pattern or this cycle at any point in what the outside world looks like around us. So this isn't like, well, I'm doing well, therefore I do this cycle, or uh, I'm not doing well, so I abandon this. I believe this is a cycle and phases that we are to live out regardless of the circumstances around us because they set us up for greater circumstances. And phase four is being generous with what we have. You see, my son will often um, bring his cup of latte and, and he'll smeagle his way across the room with his cup and um, doing his best job while it's spilling everywhere. And, uh, but he'll then he'll have a sip. He'll go, ah, good latte, mom. Good latte, dad. But then he'll say, want some. He'll share it. I know, it's beautiful, it's cute, I get it. It's great having kids as um, sermon analogies. It's so, so helpful and good. Um, but phase four is being generous with what we have. That's the call of the Christian life of stewardship. It's not just for ourselves. It's not just for our own um, satisfaction and our own uh, desires and things like that. It's actually to share with others. First Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's variety of grace or varied grace. Proverbs 11.24 says, One gives freely, other translations say, one gives generously, um, yet grows richer, but another withholds what he should give and actually suffers for it. That's a, that's a uh, I love that the kingdom of God is often opposite to what the world says, although the world often taps into the truths of God. Like, um, I know a lot of people get angry at millionaires and billionaires and things, but they're sometimes the most generous people. They've tapped into the concept of God that if I give freely, I actually get back more um, and things like that. But it's an amazing thing that we're actually called to be generous and, um, and to share our gifts of our talents, of our time, of our lives. I love that Paul says in, um, in the scriptures uh, when he's talking in, in that book called the Bible somewhere, the Apostle Paul says um, that not only did we minister, but we shared our lives with you. We actually have to be generous with our lives to, with other people. And I believe as we do this, as we go through this cycle of, um, of acknowledging that it's all God's to begin with, we just get to be carriers of that cup. As we enter the second phase of paying attention to the garden and to our finances and cultivating it and budgeting well and trimming off the areas that we don't need to be spending or doing things and asking God, God, what do you want me to do? Not what do I want to do with my finances, but what would you have me cultivate? And taking courses like Peter DeWaltz that's coming up and he's going to do a great financial course online over the next few weeks in June. And I encourage you, if you need to find out more, there's this thing called the internet. It's crazy. You can jump on the web and Instagram and social media, find out about the course there. But as we cultivate and steward well, that leads into growth, which leads into honoring God. As we grow, our honor of God grows, in, not in, um, necessarily because uh, we get weird, I think, sometimes with how much. And Jesus actually rebuked the Pharisees for counting out their seeds. It's actually bigger than, is it 10%, is it 11%? It's actually our entire lives we honor God with. But, but he's particularly said 10% is a principle, our first fruits through the word. But uh, that's, that can play a mind trick on us to think that if we're bringing 10% in, we're honoring him. It's actually, are we honoring him with our lives? That's what it's about. That's what will go well for us. That leads into being generous with others. And the cycle repeats. I'm a pretty simple guy. I hope the message today is encouraging to you. But I, I just encourage that in 
in stewardship, this is so important in our lives. And it's important to zoom out of our circumstance sometimes and we get locked in to thinking when things are better, when I'm in a different stage of life, then I will steward well. But actually in order to get to that place, we need to steward in a godly way first. So um, let me just kind of bring it back to that initial analogy, I guess, of my son smeagling his way across the, the room. He carries his cup of latte. Um, he's stewarding his cup and he's walking along. And, but the reality is sometimes he spills it. Sometimes he makes a mess. And the awesome thing about our God in this area of stewardship and in all areas of our life is that he's not a God who, uh, who is lacking in generous grace and mercy. He's not a God who lacks in, well, you messed up once, therefore you can't do it again. And maybe you're hearing this message today and you're going, well, I haven't been stewarding my finances well. Uh, welcome to the club. I think we can all say that at some point in different ways. But our God is a God of grace. Our God is if we spill the cup, he gives us the ability to pick the cup back up, but he actually helps us clean up the mess and sets, refills our cup and sets us on the right path of stewardship again. If you've been years in a pattern of financial stewardship that hasn't been great, guess what? God's mercies and grace is new every day. And he can reset and reestablish and rewire our mind if we put our heart to it. And the former days, they don't need to be like the future. And just because we have habitual patterns of being bad with our finances, guess what? God can come in and with our effort of cultivating the garden, he can set us on the right path. If you're in a pattern of um, being financially struck or not being able to steward well, that can change today in a moment. As we invite God in, he can lead us in that next step. When the cup is spilt, when the steamed latte goes all over the floor, God makes us powerful enough to clean it up, led by his spirit, and sets us on the right path of stewardship. That can change today. We're going to pray into that in a moment. If that's you, I don't want you going away feeling in despair today. We can all go away feeling hopeful and encouraged that God has greater levels of freedom in our stewardship. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Yes, that means our finances as well. No doubt about it. So the word, though, that I kind of had on my heart as we conclude today to really pray into, and um, this has been burning in me for a while now, and it was reconfirmed through some circumstances um, that God didn't cause, but happened, and I'll share that in a moment. Um, and... But I really believe the word for us today as a church, online, in person, East Village, if you're tuning in from somewhere else, the word for you and the word for us as individuals is that what's been stolen from us, God wants to return. And it's not a nice feeling having something stolen from you, is it? Has anyone had something stolen, like literally stolen? Um, I had this happen a few weeks ago. Um, I, I was robbed. I was mugged, whatever you call it. Don't worry, we're fine. I'd love to say it was six, six foot five, Nephilim, Nephilim-like um, guys in their build who, and uh, you know, you should have seen the other guy other than me. Really, I was just scammed on a Facebook marketplace deal. Um, and, and, but it's an awful feeling and it's not often so much about what is lost, but the fact that it's a feeling of, um, lack of a better term, being violated or someone's intruded on what's rightfully yours and maybe you haven't been able to put the words to it but you've had this feeling over the last 12 months that that the enemy has stolen something from you 
and he's stolen something from us as a church or he's stolen something from your family. And after that happened to me, um, after I got scammed on Facebook, I felt so clearly because, you, you know, you're angry and you want justice and you want to take on the world and do, do this. I felt so clearly the Lord say, um, what are you worried about? Am I not a God who restores what is stolen? That's the word today for you, if that registers for you. What are you, what are you worried about? God's going to restore what's been taken from you. It will step into stewardship. It will step into carrying our cup, even through a season where it feels like it's been taken from us. I believe God's going to restore, but I believe more than just restore, He's going to take you to greater levels in your finances, in your time, in your relationships, in your talents, in whatever's been taken from you. If we would step into these phases of stewardship, if we would break off the lies of the enemy that say we would never get it back, that's never coming, that's gone, then God will restore to us. So if that's you, if you're online, I want you to receive that. If you're in this place and you feel like you're being stolen from and you want to be encouraged in the Lord today that uh, He has a restoration taking place for you, would you just stand in this place or wherever you're sitting, maybe you would... um, you just put your arms out, close your eyes. I want to pray. I want to believe you'll be encouraged. I want to believe you'll be set on a path of stewardship and the Holy Spirit will come in and remind you that He's a God who gives life and life abundantly. He didn't come to kill, steal and destroy. He came to give life. He'll remind you of the story of, of Job who at the beginning of the story, he lost it all. But by the end, he had double, triple what he started with that, uh, that you know, like throughout the scriptures that he is a God who even when it seems like people are down and out and the drought's in, in a moment he can shift that and the rain comes back and the restoration takes place. So that's you. Let's pray. Let's believe for great things. And then I'll hand it to Tim. So Lord, I thank you, God. You are a God who does not, does not want your children living in that feeling of being stolen from or lacking. In fact, I believe it, it drives to the point, God, where you came down on a cross and you won the victory because you were sick of your kids getting stolen from their salvation, their relationship with you, and yes, in the areas of our world, Lord. So I thank you, God, that you open up doors in our lives to be able to see that you're restoring what is taken, whatever was taken from your people, whatever was taken from those people online today. God, you give them a picture of your restoration power coming back. I thank you. What the enemy meant for evil, you turned to good. And what the enemy took, you're going to bring back. And people are going to be able to look into their hands and see things restored and see great days ahead. Not be negative, not be gloomy, not living in um, lack, but living in abundance because we know and we acknowledge that you're a God of restoration. You're a God who can restore, and you're a God who brings back that what the enemy's stolen. So I pray for greater levels of faith. I pray for a silencing of the enemy right now that would tell people that they're stuck in a pattern, they're stuck in lack, they're never going to see that again, that relationship's never going to come back, that uh, financial uh, provision that was from you, Lord, that got taken, that that's not going to come back, or that dream and that talent they had that's been put aside, that that's not going to get awakened. Lord, I pray you awaken stewardship in our lives, awaken faith, and awaken us to see that we can get back on track knowing that you're a God who restores and you're a God who has good gifts for his kids. I thank you, Lord. We declare right now what the enemy stole is coming back, pressed down and shaken together. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome, guys. So happy to be back in person here and next week and to be online. I'm going to hand it over to Pastor Tim. 
Let's be great stewards. Let's go through the phases. And let's remember we can step into new seasons of cultivating our garden, of carrying our cup. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.